Commander, Hail Ming approaching. What do you mean, Hail Ming approaching? More rocket Ajaxes on our screen and heading right for us. Secure all posts. Raise all shields. Fire all lasers. Cue the music. is going on welcome back to war rocket ajax we've been circling the atmosphere for a while got a chance to come back and bring a new episode to you if you're not familiar if you've just been disconnected for a while i'm one of your co-hosts rick and i'm proud to say that we have gotten back together for another adventure and i can't do this without my brothers mr danny bennett what's going on hey hey i'm here for you just, just me particularly? Well, you or? know, you and anybody else who has, you know, five or six bucks. <laughs> and not only do we have Danny Bennett, we got Mark Allison. What's up, my brother? What is up? What is down? What is all around? Wow. That's deep. Spreading, <laughs> spreading the knowledge. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, man, it's been a while. And, and uh, I think the last thing we did was, what, Superman? Is that right? Yep. 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 It was Superman. Yeah. yeah. And we've all been super busy, so that's the reason we haven't had a chance to do anything. But lo and behold, we're back together, and we're going to cover a movie that we all absolutely love. Matter of fact, I think we all sat down and watched it together back in the day on the old VHS tape, possibly even at my place. I, I'm not exactly sure on that. That's but. the way that I remember it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. So we're going to talk about the 1990. Six is that right? That's right. What year was it? Nineteen ninety six. The Frighteners. And uh, but before we get into that, you know what we got to do? We got to pay the bills. And uh, you know we've been disconnected for a while, so we had to get us some new sponsors for the show. And uh, I've, I've I've done my duty. I mean, I think I've got some good ones. I don't know if the guys have got any. Y'all got any sponsors? Uh, I've got a couple. <laughs> okay. Um. First one uh, is actually a returning sponsor, uh, one of the best seafood restaurants out there. Uh, is, uh, if you're craving uh, craving good seafood, then go over to Dirty Dick's Crab Shack. Remember, get your crabs from Dirty Dick's. Oh, man. <laughs> Yikes. Threw <laughs> <laughs> you all off with that one. <laughs> well, I got one more. Uh, it's another restaurant, uh, newly opened up uh, by a little old lady just known as Mama. 
The restaurant is called Nacho Mama's. Nacho Mama's. <laughs> you get Nacho Mama's meals, Nacho Mama's drinks. You want the, you want the best food around? It's Nacho Mama's. And just so you know that all items left in the restaurant are Nacho Mama's responsibility. <laughs> That's good to know. And she'll be sure to let you know as you walk in, as you walk out, and while you pay. She yells stuff at you while you eat, too. She does. Yeah. It's disconcerting. <laughs> oh, but that being said, please go there and spend all your money. Every bit of it. All that you got. Because it's, it's, it's that good. It's that if good. you say, Hail Ming sent me, they'll kick you out. <laughs> and don't forget to ask about Sarah's sensational smells. <laughs> That's right. But don't ask Sarah about them. She might take that the wrong way. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Who's going to listen to this? I'm just wondering. Whoa, like, Whoa hey. <laughs> I'm over here pushing wrong buttons. Who knows, man? <laughs> oh, maybe we should have taken another right. month or two off. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we should have rehearsed. Oh, maybe been crap. A good idea. It used to be uh, like clockwork. Oh. <laughs> Clockwork orange. Eggy wags. <laughs> okay, I, I've got a few sponsors here. Uh, the first one, I, I, I feel like I may be wrong. This we may we may have had this one before. I'm not sure, but it, it's a it's very popular here around in my area, and it's a little uh, pet grooming shop called Indiana Bones in the Temple of Grooms. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, and to go along with uh, with the the sponsor earlier that that Mark brought up from uh, Mr. Dick over there, uh, <laughs> uh, he also has another business that uh, kind of goes hand in hand. Hand Dick. <laughs> uh, but that's a uh, Dick Shaver Chalance. <laughs> uh, what did you say? Dick, Dick Shaver Salon. Oh. And their motto is, you don't know Dick. <laughs> Sham on. <laughs> no. Oh. I have to mention And the last now. one is. <laughs> oh, oh, there's there's another one. There's, there's one more. Okay. Yeah. I'm ready. And this one, uh, they've actually sent a commercial for us to play later on in the, in the other, other stuff. Oh, but, good. Uh, and it's uh, from the makers of uh, Cup of Noodles and Cup of Steak. They've got a new one called Cup of Chicken. And their motto is, what the cluck? It's chicken in a cup. What the cluck? It's chicken in a cup. I love it. I'm going to go eat some right now. <laughs> I'm going to go eat a cup right now. <laughs> yeah, so there you go, folks. There's our sponsors. Make sure you go and spend all your money at these places if you can find them. Hail me. <laughs> oh, so with that, even though my head's already hurting because I'm laughing so hard, um, that moves us right into something we haven't talked about in quite a while, and I know we've, like I said, we've taken a break. So, we got to find out. What did you want, John? What did you watch? Oh, yeah. Did you watch stuff? What did you watch? Yeah! Who's brave enough to go first? <laughs> all right, all right. I, I'm gonna follow it up. I, I actually did watch something this time. I watched yeah. a, a documentary about a a, bre- a mattress store in rural Kansas, 
you know, hard times <laughs> caused for some business restructuring, and it's called uh, spring into bankruptcy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, it would seem like just another, you know, tale of small town woe, except that it's also a musical. So, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, the, with songs like, uh, you know, your sleep number is down and uh, stuffing your mattresses. It, it, it's just kind of a it's a tour de force about a, uh, a small town mattress store trying to make ends meet in hard times. Uh, tour de force. A tour de force. About spring, spring mattresses. That's right. Spring into bankruptcy. <laughs> Turn of force. I would not recommend watching it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, Marky Mark. Well, let's see. I actually watched a really good drama the other day. It's about this uh, man. He lives in New York, and his father, who lived in Florida, he passed away and uh his last wish was to have his ashes uh spread across uh ireland so um the father and the son they never really got along and so but he realizes that he has to do this there's no one else who can do it and on the way he he learns a lot about his father and that uh uh his father was actually uh, the way he was because he was shielding his son from e- even greater tragedies. So he learns that his father is like a really great guy. It's a really touching drama. Uh, the name of the movie was Porn Sluts 97. Uh, I'll be honest, it was not the movie I was expecting to watch when I sat down, but I was really surprised. <laughs> I bet that was a surprise. Think- and a pleasant one. Yeah, yeah. I think somebody taped over your your initial movie. I, th- I think that's exactly what happened there. <laughs> somebody mislabeled that digital file. You know, when I sit down to watch a drama, I'm usually not in the same condition as I do when I sit down to watch other kinds of movies. So I can just imagine, you know. That's that's why I don't watch movies. I watch documentaries, which I have one I'm going to talk about right now. <laughs> Uh, this documentary is uh, it comes from 1997, so not far from the movie that uh, we're going to talk about today. But it's about a U.S. naval ship that's off the coast of Switzerland to develop a new form of military stealth power. Uh, the coast of Switzerland. In, it's coast of Switzerland. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, hey, it's a documentary, so uh, it's got to be real, it's, right? One hundred percent true. <laughs> So uh, by doing away with the trackable devices that could be you know, manipulated by foreign powers, they, they replaced the entire navigation system with 47 African elephants. What scientists have, dis- <laughs> have discovered have impeccable ability to know where they are specifically at all times. This also requires extensive special training of 742 seamen that learn to coexist with the elephants. So you know, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot going on in this ship, and this this thing's like four hours long too, man. But uh, the person that's that's in charge of the documentary is Courtney Cox, and she takes us on the high sea adventure in her first documentary, which will surely share the understanding of how man and animal really do rely on each other. So make sure that you get the chance to to turn turn over to uh, I don't know. Let's pick one. Uh, <laughs> the History Channel, Amazon Prime, and check out Courtney Cox. <laughs> Check out Courtney Cox and the Elephant Seaman. <laughs> Hail Ming. You are a son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that does it for...
Critter Fritters, the only fritters that bite back. A hungry heifer exclusive. And loyal subjects of Mongo like you. Hail Ming! Oh man, I'm hungry. You're having a hard day. And you're hungry. So... Why not put some cluck in your cup? <laughs> Try Benisco's chicken in a cup. Wow, chicken in a cup. I'll never go hungry again. Now in three flavors. Classic Southern Fried, <laughs> Chicken Florentine, <laughs> and the new favorite, Chocolate and Cheese Gravy. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. That's chicken in a cup by Benisco. So you know it's good. What the cluck, it's chicken in a cup. Mm. All right, everybody, welcome back. And we are going to go ahead and just start uh, getting into this movie right here. And in order to move forward, we have to have our synopsis for the show. And I believe Danny Bennett got us our synopsis today. Yeah, I was really excited to be able to get... uh Somebody from a really popular new movie, the new Star Wars film. Uh, the droid mechanic Babu Frick was here. He insisted on having his own theme music, but he's really excited to do a synopsis for the Frighteners for us here today. So um, if you can cue that up, that'd be great. Babu, Babu, Babu Frick. Babu, Babu, Babu Frick. Babu, Babu, Babu Frick. Fixing all the droids. Hey, hey! Hi, Babu Frick. To wawa nu dare ghost. Ba mu reisa konyado pa gonada sayo. Michael Fox. Ta nasi o beo. Tata wawa. Mu gisa nara. E donari konisa wa. Ha ha Filming. All right, even threw a little hail Ming in there. How about that? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I got him to, to hail Ming there at the end. Right. It was a. It's a good time. Yeah. Uh, obviously, my 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 favorite character in the new movie. So great pick. Hey, you know, I was just I was just glad his agent let me uh, get through to him because once you talk directly to Babu, it's actually a pretty good deal. That his agent is a is a monster. Well, I mean, literally, he's about, the, he's about the size of a little pet monkey, so you could probably just grab him, stick him under your arm, and take off. You know? Yeah, that's probably why you know he has some kind of a big slug as a manager, and and it really doesn't talk. It just kind of looks at you, and it's got these drooly teeth. <laughs> but uh, but I did that for you. I did that for Hail Ming. Right. And who would have scar? 
who would have known that Babu was such a, a big fan of, of, of the Frighteners? I mean, he didn't even read any off of anything, right? He just kind of spit this out. Yeah, it was, it was really just kind of a stream of consciousness uh, um, declaration of love. That's what it was. Declaration of love. <laughs> it's a tour de force. <laughs> hey, what isn't when I'm looking for something to say? What isn't? <clears throat> <laughs> All right, man. So you know the drill. Let's just jump into this. I'm going to start with Mark. Nah, I'll tell you what. I'll give Mark a break. I'm going to give <laughs> Danny, give me your number one reason to watch The Frighteners. Well, I'll tell you. Why does Mark deserve a break? That's my question. But my first thing, I was going to say it gets right to it. You know, yeah. So when you're watching The Frighteners, you're not familiar with it, obviously. You're, you're looking to us for advice. I'm going to tell you right now, it's a tight story. And it gets right to the action with a with a haunted house and a pursuit of a you know a damsel by by some kind of a monstrous spectral force, and it doesn't give you any lead in. It just kind of starts right there, and uh, yeah, I think it sets the tone for the whole movie. It's a it's a spectral tour de force. <laughs> it's a tour of the house at least. It goes up and down the stairs and through the kitchen. Tour de house. The spectral <laughs> tour, tour de house. house. <laughs> I've got so many notes here. I don't even know where to... I can't just pick one, you know? I think just the the star power, the the, the cast of this movie is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you've got everything you could possibly want in one movie right here, man. Michael J. Fox, Jake Busey, Billy Dee Williams. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got... Babu Frick. Jeffrey Combs. <laughs> Jeffrey Combs. <laughs> D. Wallace. I mean, I don't know, man. This is just one of those movies where they they pick the absolute right people for this movie. This movie well, feels like, you know, it's got the horror elements, but it really plays like Beetlejuice. It's got that kind of feel to it. It's just fun. Well, you know, it's just funny. Speaking of, of people I'd, that are in the movie, I didn't realize that... The spectral, you know, Western guy with the guns, the judge, the yep. hanging judge, is actually John Aston. John Aston, right. Absolutely. I mean, I've seen this movie probably a dozen times, and I never realized that that's who was playing him. Of course, his jaw is hanging off half the movie, but... It's me. ectoplasm is dried up. <laughs> right. <laughs> they don't call me the hanging judge for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, give it a shot. What you what you think, man? The one thing you can put into any movie and instantly make it better. Jeffrey Combs. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> this man is just a treasure. I mean, he is so... He's always weird in his movies, but I, he went all out on yeah. this one. <laughs> yeah, man. You notice his hair. It's His hair kind of sums up how weird this character is. Because it's parted on, like, one side of his head all the way to the other and shaved at that point. <laughs> so it's, it's like, are you going for a balding Hitler here? I really don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Just the weird things he he does and mannerisms. Like, he run, when he's interrogating uh, the main woman and he runs out of the room and throws up, it's like... I have a problem with women yelling at me. It's like, what's going on with this guy? And who gave you a badge? Speaking of that, because I, I had the chance to watch the, the director's cut, which is 
quite a bit different from from what I remember back in the day. Now, you guys correct me if I'm wrong here, but there's a scene, again, Jeffrey Combs, 100% a reason to watch this movie. I mean, we could say Michael J. Fox all day long. Michael J. Fox is Michael J. Fox. You can't go wrong with him. But Jeffrey Combs knocks this thing out of the park. (laughs) But in this cut... is a roadmap of pain. (laughs) Exactly. Now, Now, you guys remind me or not, but... When he when he's out there and she's in the car and she's trying to get off the 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 you know the handcuffs there, and he does that he pulls open his shirt and he's just scarred up. Does he go into detail of what has happened to him? No. no. Okay. Because in the director's no. cut he does. Matter of fact, he's still in the car and he holds up his hands to cover his ears because she's yelling and there's a swastika tattoo on his hand, and she sees it. And he makes a big speech about... <laughs> he, Educate us about the director's cut, Rick. The director's <laughs> cut. He says that he, he was the Manson's family sex slave when he was young. <laughs> oh, my God. He went undercover and became the sex slave for the Manson family back in the late 60s. <laughs> That's the reason he's so messed up. So, from my, my recollection, he was always... it was. A woman had done this to him, right? That's the that's what you portray because he's so wigged out about any time a woman's yelling or whatever. So you kind of, I think that's the intention we get out of the regular cut. But this one, man, he's been through all these different cults where he was undercover and ended up being a part of these cults. So he's just a total whack job from all well, this I mean, stuff. The cop that's in the movie, you know, he says as a as a lead in, you know, he says that he's been embedded with all kinds of cults and crazies. You know, he says yeah. it kind of dismissively. So you get the idea that he's been through a lot of stuff because of his assignments. But yeah, he doesn't go into detail. That that sounds uh, really interesting. It's bizarre, man. I'll tell you what and, to do. I'll I'll send y'all a copy of it. So because it's got all this extra stuff, you're like, wow, that really. <laughs> It really puts him on a different plateau of craziness. I, I love the, the the scene where when he takes out his badge and he puts it in Walt's face. He's like, "I can I can do what I want because of the president of the United States." And, it's just, and, and he's holding his badge in dude's face, like, and then he sets it in front of her on the table, like, you know, I guess it's all he's got to cling to because he's a scary, weirdo, crazy, cracked out loner. It, it's amazing how the power of his role in this makes you want to go back and watch everything else he was in. <laughs> yeah. that, I think that's dead on right there. <laughs> it really does, because you're like, man, is, did I just miss it before? Because he's just chewing up this movie left and right. <laughs> it's true. You got him and Jake Busey in the same movie. Oh, man. <laughs> and if they had given Jake Busey more time, he might have given him a run for his money. I totally agree. Totally agree. So I'm I'm gonna and I'm gonna pass on that. I'm gonna give you give it back to you, Danny. What's your next reason, man? I you know we well, we got lost in the woods of Jeffrey Combs. Um, well, so so my next reason, and I, I might be going in order here because I was making notes while I watched the movie, is driving Marty McFly, man. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the the scene where where uh, and and he's not under any kind of spectral uh you know in, interference or anything. He's just you know trying to get stuff off the floorboard of his car. And Michael J. Fox is driving on these weavy roads down this 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 hill, and he's just cutting across the medians and through trees, and he ends up crashing into somebody's yard. And it's like it really doesn't rattle him. So it's obviously the way he he lives his life, you know, every day. 
and uh, you know it's 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 just funny to see this this train wreck that uh, that Michael J. Fox is playing. Yeah, and, and you kind of develop that too. You you feel for him, but you can tell he's he's a little loose cannon too, man. He's he's out there till you see Jeffrey Combs, and you're like, man, he's totally normal. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go with, because uh, you brought him up, but Jake Busey, man. I mean, come on. I got me a score of 12. Beat that. <laughs> uh, I love the fact that it's always him outdoing another serial killer. And like you said, if if you would have gave him more time, yeah, there's probably a lot more he could have delivered on this line, on this movie. And uh, Pete would probably have to just say, you know what? That's enough. <laughs> That's one more than Starkweather. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and, you know, I, I think that that his um, his role probably would have been a lot less prominent if if uh, they hadn't shown his teeth so much. Right. Well, well and the, so the other thing up they too, didn't point the camera at him. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing too is the whole upbeat documentary that's going on on TV oh, about yeah. the murders. Twenty thousand votes going through his body. I mean, it's just like happy-go-lucky, you know. It, we, all the all the little news spots are really strange in this. They, they yeah. really kind of have like, and it's funny. I, I was looking at something just yesterday before I watched this movie, and, and somebody pointed it out as just a darker Beetlejuice, but and it's not. But yeah. but it has a lot of similarities to Beetlejuice, and yeah. you know, to all, to all the way down to the Danny Elfman soundtrack. Absolutely. And if you like Beetlejuice, that's why I, I invited my kids to watch it. Because my kids both really like Beetlejuice. And I was yep. like, you know, I bet they'll like The Frighteners, too. It's it's a different movie. Yeah. But it has a lot of similar trappings. It, it just it, it feels like it could even be in the same neighborhood that you're seeing all this stuff go in. I think that's the that's the feel of it. It's, it's just it's like a distant cousin kind of thing. It You could watch these back-to-back, and, and it, it, something some similarity would pass through both of them, so... All right, Marky Mark, what you got? Well, uh, I like the fact that uh, they stuck to the classics. Uh, by that I mean the the rules of good storytelling, such as if you introduce a spectral machine gun in the first act, it will go off by the third. <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay, so um, Arlie Irving, who is a, a reason... In yeah. himself to oh, watch yeah. this movie, he's basically doing the exact same character from Full Metal Jacket as mm-hmm. a ghost. He he kind of runs the graveyard and he keeps all the the ghosts in their place so they don't go wandering around. Uh, he's messing with Michael J. Fox early in the movie and he like changes forms into uh, like a, a, a MP with a riot shield and a. a <laughs> boxing gloves in his underwear for some reason (laughs) at one point he pulls out a couple of ghost m60s and just starts shooting at the the ghost (laughs) then later in in the movie when the uh the bad guy who's like who looks like the grim reaper is coming after michael j fox arlie comes out and he pulls out those guns and fortunately doesn't help him from getting uh, uh, that's another point I, I just need to bring up real quick. It's interesting that ghosts can die. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, they set up the fact that uh, one ghost can kill another ghost, which is just really messes with your head. Uh, so the Grim Reaper he takes out Arlie, but uh, Michael J. Fox uses those ghost guns to to fight back there. It was a, I thought it was a great scene. 
Yeah, yeah, and I think they play it loose with the rules of the afterlife, which is kind of a fun thing, too. They, they don't try and say, oh, well, in order to be a ghost, you have to do this. Or when they kind of say you have a chance to traverse over and then later you, you'll get another chance if you don't take it. Um, they kind of have a heaven and hell thing going on. They have ghosts, like you said, finding their final ends at the hands of other ghosts. But they don't really bother to try and come up with a rule book to follow. And I think that was a that was a mistake that a lot of movies previous to it did, where they tried too hard to invent hard rules. So it kind of gets in the way of the story, and I, and I appreciate the fact that it didn't do that. Yeah, I love the fact of you know just like the difficulty they have with even like gravity or whatever you want to call it. You know, you got the scene where they'll run and get stuck, you know, in, in a wall or things like that, and you're like, mm-hmm. that maybe that's where the Beetlejuice kind of thing feels familiar because it's like why would a ghost get stuck in a wall i mean there's no reason to explain it it just happens and it it doesn't happen so frequently that it's something you need to say oh they just did that for a a story uh they did that for the plot no it was just they being incorporeal was just as confusing as you know being a person you have things that affect you and things that don't and it really doesn't follow a, a rhyme or reason you know some people are better at manipulating it than others Obviously, um, you know, John Bartlett, who was the, the Jake Busey character, had figured out how to manipulate quite a bit of that power, and probably because he was so bent on death to begin with. He had and, a goal. You know, that's the the great thing about this movie is his character, through the help of his partner that helped him do all this back in the day, is, you know, still around to help him do stuff now. And what a great concept to be able to still do your work from beyond the grave, you know, it, it's very clever. I mean, it's it's a it's a pretty unique idea. Yeah, I, I agree. So for the next point, I'm going to say that that it being a tight story, the story of Bannister's wife. There are a few flashbacks that they use in this movie to kind of explain why people are the way they are or what's going on, and the story of of um, of Bannister's wife of, of of Michael J. Fox's wife being killed is related by Jeffrey Combs's character and and it's it's in flashback form as he narrates over it and you know it's told through witness statements and it's a it's a tragic story of murder and um and you know negligence and it really like you know just like all the the flashbacks that occur in the movie it, it does a really great job of concisely telling the story in a way that makes you care about the characters and it may that makes you think about all the things that have happened before it all right, I'm going to say it. Nobody else is going to say it. One of my main reasons to watch this movie is because of three-foot Elvis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a three-foot Elvis statue that's in the house of Ray and Lucy, which is a couple of our main characters that, you know, goes through the story. Uh, this is Ray is the person out in the yard when uh, Michael J. Fox is driving, and, and he crashes through his yard and all this stuff, and he sets this house up to, to do one of his finaglings, in other words, what he does to make a living. So, if you don't know this movie, we're going to try to... I don't know how we talk about this one and not ruin it, but Michael J. Fox has the ability. He sees dead people. <laughs> it's a twist! <laughs> but he's he's able to communicate, and he's got a couple of ghosts that he works with and gets them to go and do poltergeisty things in houses, so they'll call his phone number, and he comes in and does a Ghostbusters routine. Which, ironically enough, Robert Zemeckis produced this, so there you yep. go. We said it earlier, you brought Danny Elfman, but come on, man. You got Danny Elfman involved, you got Peter Jackson. This is this is the beginning 
of the greatness of Peter Jackson. Yes, he made a couple of movies before, not to this level. This is where you start seeing a very accomplished filmmaker, I think. It's where you're really starting to see it come together. But you got Robert Zemeckis producing. You got Rick Baker doing some of the, the you know, the physical effects as well. So I mean, you got this is a powerhouse movie, and you know, we we were we were talking last night. And we were all kind of watching at the same time, and we all were kind of saying, "Man, I forgot how good this movie is." We all knew we loved it, but going back and seeing it again, you're like, "Man, this this is a really great movie." I don't know why I waited so long to watch it again. One of the things about this film that I noticed, and I said this to Mark on the way here, is that nowadays with this much effect, you know, with these many effects and, and the, the idea of the astral world, you know, you think about something like that that follow-up to Men in Black where they did that, you know, I guess Ryan Reynolds and Jeff Bridges are in that movie yeah. where they're like spectral cops. R. And R. the reason... Yeah. Right. And that movie's terrible. Yeah. You know, and, and nobody wants to see it. And it's like, I was saying, you know, nowadays they'd have to make it to where... You know, there's a firestorm that's going to engulf the world because this ghost is disobeying the rules of ghosts. But but it isn't like that. It's a little story about a little town that, that's plagued by these murders by this monster. And this one guy has the ability to see it. And nobody believes him. You know, it's, it's a story that has lots of levels suspense-wise and horror-wise yeah. and drama-wise. But it doesn't go effects-heavy. And it doesn't try and turn it into the world in peril. And I think that's one of the things that makes it different from movies today. Nowadays, they try and make everything an endgame scenario. Right. And and just the fact of, you know, the ability that, that you know, Bannister has in here, and he only uses it to do lowball stuff, just to, to, just to lay low, make enough money to get by. Which, as most people, if they were able to do this, would be making mega bucks somehow, you know. But mm. I love the fact that he's just using it just to, you know, I mean, his car is a piece of crap. Even the ghost tell him his car is a piece of crap. <laughs> yeah, if you want to and, feel better about your car, then you watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact of the abilities that he has, I mean, you think about, you know, all this, the, the psychic people we've seen on TV growing up, you know, he could have been making a fortune, but no, he's just going to, you know, just get by. <laughs> All right, Mark, go ahead, buddy. Well, uh, on that, I'm going to have to say the the whole con job there is just yeah. a reason to watch. Because <laughs> uh, as we set up that uh, Michael J. Fox, he, uh, he has this ability to see dead people and uh, talk with them. And he gets a scam going on a... a scam going about uh, using this power as a, uh, what would you call it, an exorcist. <laughs> he has his his ghost friends go into people's homes and start trouble, and then he shows up and says, well, I can I can get rid of them for you, but it's going to cost, and unlike Ghostbusters, so where he, they charge like thousands of dollars, he's like, it'll be like $425. Uh, okay, we'll pay that. Uh, plus uh, plus expenses. Uh, <laughs> plus uh, gas. And just whatever he can get out of them. <laughs> and I think my favorite part is uh, when he's going through the, the exorcism that we get to see, he puts this little device on the table. It looks like a an old an old radio with a... Uh, with it's a like light a radio, inside of it. Radio slash toaster. <laughs> Imagine taking an old radio and then just putting an LED light on it. <laughs> and then he starts, you know, spritzing holy water out of a squirt gun around. And then it goes, ding, 
and this little bag pops up and goes, that's it. I've got the ghosts in here. And it's, like, it's like a coffee bag. Yeah, it's like a little gift bag with a couple of M&Ms in it, you know. And then, then he drops it down the disposal and turns it on and goes, that's it, they're gone. <laughs> Yeah, the fact he puts it in the food disposal <laughs> gets rid of the ghost. <laughs> I washed them down the drain. You don't have to worry about it. <laughs> um, they don't feel a thing. <laughs> so, well, that's what I understand. Anyway. That's what it says in the manual. <laughs> and of course, this is in the same room or the same house that you mentioned earlier, where where during the poltergeist uh, uh, act <clears throat> during the poltergeist attack. A uh, you know a, a, an Elvis statue floats in front of him, and and and, uh, and Ray says he is alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah I had that great. note too. Which Ray, of course, is a character himself because he's yep. he's a fitness freak. So when he dies, you know he, he can't he can't take it, and you know he's he's always doing lunges and squats, and he's just a general asshole. You know when you yeah. see him die, you're not too worried about it. Exactly. I do have to say, though, Ray does have my favorite line in the entire movie, is when he's trying to uh, get his uh, uh, wife an anniversary present. He says, guess what? I made reservations at Excalibur! Excalibur! <laughs> 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 well, they go there later. It's like some medieval restaurant. I hadn't made that connection. Thanks, Mark. It was hilarious, man. I mean, it, 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 well, we'll go ahead. Uh, I guess that brings up Danny next, I guess, right? Where yeah, I, well, I threw in just because I wanted to tie it back into your Elvis statement before. Okay, so here's my next one. We talk about Jaws. We talk about how the suspense was created by Jaws, not with a, a, a shark that you showed, but with barrels, right? Yeah. You know, the barrels that are attached to the shark, they pop up. You know the shark's nearby. Suspense. They do the same thing in this movie because as our, main, or as our protagonist can see the spirit realm, he sees numbers carved into the foreheads of the victims of this yeah. spectral assassin. And he'll turn around and he'll see a number in someone's forehead. Nobody else can see it. Suddenly, he's in panic mode, and because nobody knows what he's seeing, they, they think he's involved in the killing somehow. So there's this whole three-pronged attack on our poor protagonist, where he sees yeah. the number, he's unable to communicate what it means, and when he tells people about it, they think he's threatening them. And it, right. really, it, just, it, it creates a really tense scene with very little work. Yeah. That it, is it, one of my favorite things about them about this movie is the uh, uh, the killer likes to put those numbers in people's heads even after death there um, the the ghost is still carving them in but no one can see him or feel him or anything and it's just really creepy it was even the tagline they used for the advertisement of this movie when it came out is saying your numbers up so uh, I think it was just really well played. <laughs> kind of a weird precursor to the what was the the series of movies where you know you get knocked off because it's your time. What was it called? Uh, Final Destination. Final Destination, right? Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't think of the name of it, but it's almost like a precursor to that because your number pops up. Except this this case, somebody can see it. You yeah. know, <laughs> right? Right. It's the Reaper is a killer, and the Reaper wants to kill you next. Yeah. Yeah. And Tony Todd comes in and gives some strange message. Oh, no, that's the other movie. Sorry. <laughs> and it, you know, I really thought that the uh, the tagline was "Buy a bag, go home, <laughs> go in, a home in a box." <laughs> Brighteners, 
buy a bag. Go home in a box. Yeah, I, 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 the bag in question is the little one they drop into the disposal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> buy a bag. Put it in the garbage disposal. Go home in a box. Go home in a box. That's, that's important. Buy a bag. Kill a ghost. <laughs> All right, so who's that bring up next? Is that uh, That's Mark, me. Uh, Rick. All right, Rick. I'm going to say the, 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 the partners in crime here, man, his his ghost buddies. Oh, yeah. We've got an ensemble here of, of three characters. Uh, you mainly see these two gentlemen that go and help him out. you got one that was obviously killed in the 50s or 60s wearing still a school you know letter jacket. And then the other guy was killed in the 70s. With a huge afro, still wearing, <laughs> you know, like his street clothes, and he is hilarious, man. <laughs> his his line delivery is just is just fantastic. It's Chai McBride, who you know, yeah, he had a long run in movies, but then it just kind of stopped. I don't know what he's up to now. Yeah, but uh, he really makes this work because all he does is you know he does is what he's supposed to do, but he complains about it the whole time, and. Uh, the, the back and forth between them, I think, is fantastic. And then when you're getting introduced to these characters and you're seeing how they're even able to ride in the back of his, his car. They're in the back of you know Michael J. Fox's car in the trunk. And they come out of it. And then, again, like we said, we get the characters that are you know get stuck in the door coming through and all that kind of stuff. So you're getting that kind of you know build between these characters but then that's when you meet the judge as well and his dog running around <laughs> whose back half is nothing but pretty much bones it's just like what a crazy whacked out idea but it works man <laughs> and these guys i mean they're with it with with him through the thick and thin of all this man and and that's what's amazing i mean there's there's times when they save michael j fox's butt uh but they, they set up these scams. They go, the, the, the second one, man. <laughs> the second one, they go to the woman's house and they're making the babies fly around Miss Waterhouse, right? <laughs> and they're yeah. flying the babies around. I, I just, I love that. And of course, Michael J. Fox comes in. He gives them the same spiel as always. And they're like, dude, she knows. Stop. You're making a fool of yourself. And then she holds up that paper and he sees it where it says he's a, he's a con man, right? Or, you know, he's, you know, conning people out of money and all this stuff. And, you know, just what a what a crazy whacked out idea, but a definite reason to watch these movies is is to to see these characters, man, because they do so much throughout all of it. Agreed, agreed. What what they lack in you know global gravitas or you know big storytelling, they they make up for in in drama and in the characters. They're they're tremendous. No, we talked about the Beetlejuice feel of the movie. There, I think that was never more. Uh, prominent than when the ghosts are making the babies fly around the room. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so you you get this like lighthearted kind of comedy thing, but Beetlejuice never straight up murdered anybody. <laughs> That's the difference there. And you know, Beetlejuice, you know, so, so you think about it, it was probably inspired by it. Beetlejuice came out seven years before this movie. Yeah. So there was probably some, some you know, whether it was intelligible or conscious or not, I'm sure... It, it derived some elements from Beetlejuice. Yeah. And, and also the scene in, in the museum, which I'm sure is somebody's reason to watch this movie uh, on your <laughs> list. But, again, with them making the mummy get up and start walking, and you're checking out going, what the heck is this? Because you don't see them at first. And the cops are all shooting at the at the mummy, right? 
And then, you know, then it shows that you can see them, and they're actually holding her and making her walk and other stuff. And then dude just turns into Bobcat Gothway all of a sudden. <laughs> she was so beautiful! <laughs> well, and uh, you notice that the, uh, the stiff shirt from the Sedgwick Hotel and Ghostbusters shows up for, like, a tenth of a second in that museum uh, scene. <laughs> Where he like tells somebody to leave. We're like, hey, it's like over in the Sedgwick Hotel. I wrote it down in my notes just because I had never noticed it before. Because he doesn't get a, he, he gets a line, but it's like it's it's in the middle of a, a panic. So he just kind of runs around and says something to somebody, and then they cut to the next scene. Yeah, the whole oh, yeah. museum scene is great because yeah. a you get to see what people are seeing that the ghosts are doing. So yeah. instead of it being you seeing the ghosts and going, oh, this is kind of hokey, you're actually seeing the. You know the, the things stand up and move around, yeah. and it's it's kind of weird. Um, but also, you get Magda's death. Um, right. The the uh, the lady from the newspaper that wrote the the, uh, yeah. the con artist story. You know, she obviously feels like uh, he's got something against her because he just basically he came into her office and told her she can't publish that stuff, and then he shows up, and what does he see on her forehead? He sees the next number. Yeah. So, you know, she's thinking that he's coming after her. <laughs> yeah, he says, you're next. And she's like, are you threatening me? <laughs> but no, And then I'm, he walks up and punches her in the face and takes <laughs> off with her. <laughs> yeah. And that was actually one of the more creepy scenes in the movie, as um, far as I'm concerned, is when she yeah. uh, she gets killed. Yeah. And right. the light comes down to take her soul away. And while she's ascending... She's just screaming at him, like, you killed me. How does it feel to have killed your wife? And just like, I'm like, oh, yeah. 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 As, as, he get, as she gets drawn up in that, that, that column of light, she says, you're a murderer. <laughs> yeah. It, it reminded me a lot of Evil Dead, actually. Mm-hmm. It, was a lot, it reminded me of the, um, you know, the, sure. the specter, you know, you're here for your soul. And they ball down. It's just something about her floating in midair and screaming at him was yeah. just... It's it's an element of a movie that isn't a comedy for yeah. sure. My next reason would have to be the judge. The oh judge. yeah, the rudeness, tootiness, mummy rapiness cowboy in the west. <laughs> 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 uh, the the overall look of the judge just himself. He's like an old ghost that's uh, going through ghost old age. I guess you could put it. His parts are falling off, uh, and his entire torso is gone and he's just being held up by his spinal column and I'm like this is <laughs> horrifying yet funny at the same time <laughs> made me feel like I was watching House 2 yeah. exactly yep I was gonna say the first first uh, show we had Mark on was we were talking about another ghost cowboy <laughs> it's just like when a man's jaw falls off, it's time to hang it up. <laughs> I ain't shooting blanks no more. <laughs> it's, and there's something kind of refreshing about that, that even ghosts kind of go through this mundane stuff uh, that sure. we we care about. Just like, oh, I'm getting older, I'm losing my hair, I'm losing my jaw (laughs) and and all you got to do is find the right corpse and it turns everything around exactly yeah (laughs) i like it when they lie there (laughs) really that was i don't know what to make of that scene that was just (laughs) that was peter jackson that's peter jackson yep who who made his career you know pushing those limits (laughs) all right i've got one that i think 
all three of us can agree is something that we think of anytime we ever bring up the Frighteners with anybody. And that's the point of Hail Ming, isn't it? Is just to make sure that everybody knows these high points and then they go check out the movie for themselves. And I'm right. going to say, because I'm wearing a lead breastplate. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey Combs is in an interrogation with, with uh, Michael J. Fox. He thinks that he's stopping people's hearts with the power of his mind. And he says, oh, you're trying to do it right now, aren't you? <laughs> well, you can't. He tears off his shirt in this, 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 just this gesture of, of, uh, of triumph. And he's wearing this like Roman lead breastplate with like the nipples on it. <laughs> and it's just that scene whenever I think of the Frighteners I can't not think of that scene first yeah. <laughs> again I mean Jeffrey Combs I mean we could have just stopped the show five minutes in and said yep Jeffrey Combs and uh, good night <laughs> I mean if anyone else had tried to deliver that line I, this movie would not be what it was it would be like oh this is cheesy crap man <laughs> But the fact that Reanimator said that it really, really right. makes it special. <laughs> oh, man, uh, my next one, and I have to go with this because of several reasons. But the anniversary meal when Michael J. Fox goes with Lucy, who's a a doctor, uh, because they're at the funeral for Ray, which Ray's floating around and talking to Michael J. Fox, and he's trying to communicate to Lucy and all this stuff. But they decide to go eat, which happens to be. The reservations they made for the anniversary. At Excalibur! <laughs> At Excalibur! <laughs> and uh, the whole spiel, man. I mean, Ray's right there beside her, and he's trying to talk to Michael J. Fox saying, Tell her those flowers are for me, and all this stuff. <laughs> it's just fantastic because she's like, Well, tell me about you. And he's like, Oh, she don't want to hear about you. She wants to hear about me. You know, <laughs> Ray is such an a hole through most of it. And but you end up liking him because the the whole parts when he's dead is just hilarious. Yeah, but yeah. coming out of this, oh the the part when she says something, he goes, "You bitch!" <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. But out of that, Michael J. Fox goes to the restroom because Ray swings at him and knocks his glass of champagne over out of anger. So that's the other thing too is they can. Some of them can barely make things move. Some can make a lot of things move. And I just wonder if that's based on how long you've been dead. You learn how to use what you got. Because when I think about Ray floating around and he's falling down and going through the ground and through the walls, it's because he's new at it. And you get some that are really, really good at what they do, like the guys that help him. Well, I think in order to get to that point, they have to go visit the train man uh, who then teaches Patrick Swayze how to hit the shoe off the? the oh, sorry, wrong move again. Wrong move. Right, it's, but that's that's kind of a it, don't don't think it wasn't in the back of my mind when I was bringing oh, it up. My love. <laughs> but, we should uh, just watch Ghost, y'all. Uh, yeah, you do that. <laughs> I, I heard that. I heard that. Ugh. That was good stuff. So uh, coming out of that, Michael J. Fox goes to the restroom. And there's this guy that's eyeballing him because he's, he's, you know, looking around and he sees this guy over using the restroom and he looks and the dude's got the number on his head. And, of course, the guy's thinking, okay, what what's all this? But what's beautiful about this is you get to see the Grim Reaper at this point, which is a great shot. You know, by today's standards, the CGI is pretty sketchy now. You know, this is early day. But the scene where the Grim Reaper comes through the mirror and grabs that dude's heart, still looks really good. 
I think they used it sparingly enough that the fact that it was limited didn't hurt the movie. Right. Right. It to me it only hurt it when he was like crawling through the walls and stuff and you could tell yeah. it was just kind of you know, that looked pretty dated. But this scene in particular, any scene where it was the Grim Reaper floating around looked pretty decent. I saw a documentary on Frighteners and apparently this was the first movie that uh Peter Jackson really used CGI in. Yeah. And uh he said apparently that uh in order to get all the shots that he wanted, he went out and bought something like 17 different computers to put these shots together. And so once he was done with it, he was like, well, what am I going to do with all these computers now? And uh, then he got the job on uh, The Hobbit or the or sorry, yeah, Lord, Lord of the Rings. Ring. So I think those computers got put back to use there. So <laughs> good investment yeah. there. That was kind of the beginning of, of Weta, I believe, was the name of the company. Yeah. That, you know, he started up doing all the, the CGI stuff. So this, again, this is the beginning of the Peter Jackson that we've known and love, which we were already kind of fans of anyways. I, I don't know if fan is the right word. We were very aware of Peter Jackson, I, you know, with Meet the Feebles and, and uh, Bad Taste. Uh, this one just took it to a whole new level. So it's kind of like the graduation of Sam Raimi, you know, kind of that same thing. All right, where are we at? Mark, is that your turn? Yeah, I'm going to have to say the hospital scene. Oh yeah, fantastic! Because, um, it's pretty much the climax of the movie. Is they have to uh, they have to go to the hospital where the original massacre had happened, and uh, I believe they have like uh, uh, the killer's ashes, and they have to find the chapel because it's consecrated ground to spread the ashes in order to uh, get rid of Jake Kaka Busey Busey, <laughs> and. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> And it's just, you know, it's an old dilapidated uh, building now, and it's all run down. Um, but there's this great moment since that uh, when they're going through the place, uh, Michael J. Fox, he looks around, and then everything looks the way it did years ago, uh, right before the massacre. And there's this moment in there where it's like, he knows what's going on. He knows that this is some kind of psychic, ghostly vision. But he also knows there's nothing he can do about it. Right. Which, which I love because so many of these movies they have these like flashbacks, and the characters like, "What's going on?" He's like, "I know what's going on. I just I can't see my partner anymore. I'm going to have to just do my best to make my way through this place." And it becomes a real problem because. Uh, Jake Busey's partner shows up with a shotgun and is trying to kill them. And every now and again, it'll, he'll flash back to the past, and he's like, okay, I know she's in here somewhere, but I can't see what's going on in present. I can only see what's going on in the past. It causes a lot of tension there. Plus, the over just witnessing the overall massacre that had happened in the past, that was... Yeah. It was yeah. just like a double whammy there. <laughs> yeah, the the... the, the, the transition between the past and, and current state because not only do you have them running around in the past and, and Michael J. Fox is seeing all this, but you have them running around in current state too, kind of doing the same thing, you know. It's, again, man, it's just one of those brilliant things that works so well in this flick. And they took one murder action sequence and they made sure to make it into two and they just do it by switching which scene you're seeing. I, it's incredible. Right. It's, yeah. it's really well done. 
Somebody called it a tour de force. I don't remember who it was, but I think that was Jake Busey when we saw him in Texas. Oh, except he never showed up. It was just all Gary Busey. It's all Gary. <laughs> there wasn't enough room in Texas for both to keep. Whew, that That's would true. be dangerous. <laughs> I'm Mr. T with the tall teeth. <laughs> Words all right. are made of Busey people. <laughs> Yikes. All right, for my next one, and we're getting close to the end here. It's so hard because yep. I know there's going to be people listening going, why didn't you talk about this? Why didn't you talk about that? Well, because we don't want to ruin it. We still want people to go check this out. We can't give it all away. But uh, one of the things I have to talk about that I think is brilliant, and it kind of ties into the hospital scene we're talking about, but how about the, the, the characters of Patricia and her mom and just how mm. the character play happens there because – you you are forced to make your decisions on who's good and who's bad, and I don't know, man. You kind of have to hand it. This this is some good acting going on between these two. Yeah, it's a classic misdirect. I mean, you see the mom as the villain because she's acting so horrible. Yeah. But it's because she knows what she horrors knows. her daughter are, is capable of doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the the, the switch, the two face of, of Patricia is just when it happens, man. You are. You are in it. I mean, it's like, wow. And, uh, again, kudos, man, to, to Dee Wallace because, you know, you think about somebody that's been around as long as she has and, and to make this kind of performance this far into her career, I, I don't know, man. I think it stands out. What a twist. What a twist. <laughs> and, again, the, the director's cut has got some weird uh, sexual innuendos that happen in it between her and Jake Busey while he's a ghost. <laughs> well, yeah, there's a lot of intimacy between the two of them in the regular cut. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to say that there isn't more in the director's cut, but, you know, it's, it's a little uncomfortable just in general. Well, let, let me just say this. There's a scene where she goes in the kitchen to get a knife, and Jake Busey's in there saying, use this knife. This is the way you can go in there and take care of business. And she takes the knife and starts stabbing Jake Busey with it, and he's, like, getting off on it. <laughs> Well, that's wow. much better than that pottery scene they had before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, <laughs> is that a Ginsu? That feels like a Ginsu. I'll Ginsu you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna throw it. I'm gonna throw my last reason in there, and I'm gonna say the comeuppance of the killers is satisfying. And I can say yep. it from not only my perspective, but my kids who watched it with me. They were both like, "Oh, good." <laughs> when, um, when, so when Patricia and John are called John. home, yep, and that that's a satisfying scene. And it's a good ending for them. Well, I tried to throughout watching it. You know, I kept having that Beetlejuice kind of vibe going through, and I'm trying to put that to my side. And just like maybe I'm just thinking that because it's Danny Elfman kind of music. And then at the end, a sandworm shows up. So I'm like, nope, this it's <laughs> it's Beetlejuice. <laughs> it's Beetlejuice. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> It even cause, kind of does the wink to the screen when it, <laughs> when it gets to eating them, too. It's like, yeah, that's right, folks. Big worm. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the best sound quote of this whole thing. <laughs> yeah, folks. Big worm. See you later. <laughs> I'm going to have to throw out my last reason, which is ghost wallpaper. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just the... the Grim Reaper chasing people around through the walls and like sticking out. It's hard to describe audibly because it's uh, it's like the walls are like um, uh, 
shall we say, plastic. And you, you know how you just, like, push your face up against uh, thin plastic and it, you'll see the outline? That's kind of what it's like when the Reaper is trying to reach out of the walls and grab people there. So Yeah. And... But, I mean, it goes from one wall to another to the carpet, and it just flows really, really well. So, um, the, the one that gets me is the picture frame. Yeah. 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 I think that's awesome because he, he can do either side, yeah. you know? And I was like, wow, that's, that's pretty original. Yes, I, I still say that effect holds up today. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, just, I think there's, there's parts of it that it's almost one of those things that you, you almost wish Peter Jackson would – you know, do a little George Lucas and go back and fix a couple of little things here and there, <laughs> except just not get too carried away and, you know, make Michael J. Fox not shoot first or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but needless to say, if you compare this to some of the other movies with some early CGI at this point, this still holds up really well. But, yeah. and I told Becky last night when I was watching this, I said, you know what? It's one of those movies that you can forgive weaknesses in some of the special effects because the story is so good and the movie moves along so well it doesn't really affect you that's the strength of this movie it's it's one of those that should be held up a little higher than it really is because i think people just didn't know what to do with it well it's kind of a horror movie it's not a horror movie it's kind of a beetlejuice kind of thing but you know the cover didn't really give you enough insight of what you were seeing you know, you didn't have the typical 90s picture where it was like a profile shot of the 15 actors that are in it making a V, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So I think that's kind of why it got lost, you know? I think I think everybody listening, if you have not seen this, absolutely go out and get a copy of it immediately because it's just that good. And my closing, my, my closing uh, reason to watch is I, I gotta go back to Jeffrey Combs, man. There's one line in particular when when uh, our hero, when Michael J. Fox is about to deliver the ashes to where they need to go, it ends up in the hands of uh, of Milton, and uh, he makes some snarly remarks, and then Michael J. Fox just says, "You're such an a-hole." He goes, "That's right, I'm an a-hole with an Uzi." <laughs> <laughs> If that doesn't make you want to see this movie, I don't know what else will, man. <laughs> it's true. There are lots of reasons to see the movie that we didn't go through, so you should go check it out. You should right. definitely go check it out. Y'all got anything else? I'm tapped. All right, that brings up... Rating time. That brings time. up rating time. Yes. Yes. Rating time. Was that too loud for y'all? I'm sorry. It was... It was <laughs> What? It, it kind of made me pause there for a second. A bit. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give this 442 uh, elephant semens with Michael J. Fox on ice. Uh, Michael J. Fox is a corpsicle. Nice. I'm going to say that if you plan on watching this movie, then I recommend that you wear a blood breastplate. <laughs> <laughs> I will give this movie... Twelve, and that's one more than Starkweather, Jake Busey. <laughs> I got a score of twelve. Beat that. <laughs> so that brings us up to that Babu Frick. I'm playing the wrong thing. Are you playing Babu? I am. That brings us up to top five lines. Top five. 
All right, well, um, you know, I've got Arlie Ermy, the Sarge, in the uh, in the, the cemetery, telling our hero, I do not like you! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, d- he delivers those lines, and it don't matter well, yeah, what he, he says, they're great. He, yeah, he was a drill sergeant <laughs> in real life, and, and he just realized there was some kind of an appetite for that in movies. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, you got any? Um. I'll have to go with uh, during the exorcism. Uh, they, uh, Michael J. Fox is questioning them about uh, what happened, and he's like, "Did the uh, the table spin around at 360 degrees? No. Did the toilet seat bang up and down? No. Did the bed levitate? Yes. Oh, yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> my another one of my favorite lines to quote. Is Ray from this one who, uh, speaking of his own death, he says, and uh, I guess I'll have to censor this of, it's a GT tragedy <laughs> about his own death, you know, because he was so healthy and young. It's it's so fun. He's a great character, man. Oh, great he's character. funny. Uh, I guess I need to come up with one, don't I? Uh, I actually do have one more, if you don't mind me throwing it in there. Uh, go ahead was uh, Jeffrey Combs uh, standing in front of the police guard. He says, I am making this car move with the power of my mind. Yes. No. Wait. Stop. <laughs> wait, stop. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. I'm going to throw mine in there. And yes. it's, a Jeffrey, it's a Jeffrey Combs line as well where he goes, what did you do? Piss on your hush puppies. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I think that was five. We made it. That's five. Yeah. And we didn't even make up any. Uh, All right, folks, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back at y'all. Are you tired of the same old boring wallpaper and carpets that just sit there? Wallpaper and carpets that leave you feeling flat. Now you can feel excited about brand new Grimm's carpet and wallpaper. The type of carpet and wallpaper that really jumps out at you. Literally, it jumps out at you, grabs you, and tries to strangle you. It makes any home an exciting place to live. We have 12 different varieties of carpet and wallpaper. That's one more than Starkweather. Get your ghost wallpaper or carpets at Grimm's Wallpaper and Carpet off of Route 65 near Bucksnort. Look for the sign that says, I want to kill her now. No, that's not what I said. I said marble reds in a soft pack. Randy. What? Hi, I'm Randy Newman. And I'm here for Hey, You Make Me Feel Like Dancing Show. Come on, Randy. You're not even trying. And it's time for another fun-filled episode of Ask Randy. Well, you get to ask me questions, and I get to reply. Zoopy doop. Oh boy, this first question comes from Matthew Tangerine. Come on, Randy. You know <laughs> that's not right. It says, "Thank God you are back, Randy." 
My life is falling apart without your guidance. That's, that's understandable. Please help me solve this pressing issue. It came to my attention that I'm being hunted by a mutant killer bear. Yeesh. It says, ever since I went camping at some strange Native American graveyard slash toxic dump. <laughs> he said dump. Not funny, Randy. This giant gray slimy bear has been offing everyone around me. What should I do? Sincerely yours, Matt the Angry Ginger. The Angry Ginger? Boy, the guy's got his own goofy name. I don't have to make up a name. I didn't have to say Tangerine. He's Matt the Angry Ginger. Yeah, we know, Randy. He's got it wrote on the thing. Just go, go just ahead with saying, the program. I'm just saying, when you make up your own name like that, I, Matthew, how do you even plan? You will never, ever write songs for Toy Story with a name like that. So maybe instead of insulting, maybe you can give him an answer, Randy? Matthew, first thing I would do is this. Hope I get my marbles. Soft pack. Soft pack. Capping gear and an Indian's heart. Big bear gonna kill you when it gets near dark. And all I can say is, get the hell out of there, tangerine. What are you, stupid? Yeah, we're getting sued. Next question. This next question's from Lee Russell. It says, Randy, I want to kill. What? I want the people I kill to get up and kill. What I'm saying is I'm a zombie. And I think I need help because I'm chewing on people a lot as of late. What can I do? Oh, I I see what this is. I see what this is. This is like one of them Eddie Murphy movies. Yeah, where they get up out of the grave. Yeah, I see what he's doing. Well, it sounds like a real problem, Lee. And I only know of two things that can fix your problem. One is a bullet to your skull. And the other one is a happy song. Look out! Oh, we're cooking now, boy. You can't go around eating people cause you want to. Even if it's done in real good taste. Yeah, boy. You can't go around eating people cause you want to. I'm gonna put a bullet in your face. Cause there's zombies everywhere and the dead they walk again. I got to get my butt out of this town. Let's go, boy. I'm screaming bloody murder as you're biting off my leg. Ow, ow. But before I go, I'm gonna take you down. Everybody, you can't go around eating people because you want to. Even if it's done in real good taste. That's right, boy. Said you can't go around eating people because you want to. I'm gonna put a bullet in your face. What do you think about that, Charlie? I I give up. I I give up. 
Will I give up too? Because that's all the time we got left for this episode of Ask Randy. See you later, alligator. Hey, they got my smokes yet? What if I showed you a brand new appliance? Is it a toaster? In a manner of speaking. Some kind of radio? It does tune things in. A coffee maker. You can't exactly drink it. Well, what is it? It just says Bannister Technologies on the front. Here's the good part. What good part? Fun for every kitchen. Kitchen? It catches ghosts. This thing? I'm leaving. Another winning idea from Bannister Technologies. Need a box cutter? Well, we got them. Right here at Stuttered and Godly's Hardware Emporium. Supplying all of your box cutter needs. Be it one blade, two blade, three blade, or a set of blades to get you through your lifetime. And here's a helpful tip we will give you for free. If you ever tend to lose your box cutter, you can put your initials on it. That way, if someone finds it, they will be able to return your box cutter to you ASAP. So come on down and enjoy the excitement that we have for our products down here at Stuttered and Godly's Hardware Emporium. Bring the kitties. People, hey, this was an absolute blast. I mean, we've been laughing just as much off the show as we have been on the show. And I, I have to admit, I mean, I, I absolutely love doing this show. These are my buddies. And uh, this, this is just fun, guys. I, I, I've been missing this. So hopefully we can uh, get this thing going again and do some more shows because it sure is a lot of fun. man. It's a lot of work. <laughs> I do more work on this show than I do the other ones, but it's absolutely worth it. Thanks again for, for you know us all getting together thanks mark thanks rick i thanks for watching the movie it was a labor of love because it's one of my favorites and it's been a long time since i've rewatched it uh, i think if anybody out there goes and checks out the frighteners on our recommendation then we will have done our job and i think that they're not going to regret it right i just love getting together with my friends going over these these movies hailing my ming it's uh, <laughs> hmm, uh, that's a new T-shirt for sure. <laughs> <laughs> we got new sponsor people. <laughs> I think last time you went to Hell Your Ming, you you saw a movie about an Irish dude and his son. Yeah, right? I picked that was what happened. <laughs> it's better than it's better than elephant semen. Oh, is it? Well, yeah, probably. I think that was the sequel. Uh, uh, this is why I love getting together with you guys. <laughs> so, thank you for helping me be part of this show, and I've, I'm just having a blast. <laughs> well, all of a sudden, we're doing like a Thanksgiving show. We're thankful for everything. But <laughs> I'm thankful but, uh, we missed our Thanksgiving show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
we have all been super busy so it, again it, it is fun to get back together and, and when you do one of these shows you realize yeah that's why we do these shows and uh, so it, yeah it's great to, to get back in, into doing some Hail Ming and for all you fans out there or even if you're not fans <laughs> you know we, we kind of want to make you fans that's kind of how it works but if you have ideas for some movies that you might want us to watch, send them to us on Facebook and stuff, and we'll say, no, we're not watching that. We're going to watch what we want to. Because that's, that's kind of how we do this thing. No, we do try to uh, accommodate uh, you folks when we feel like it. Uh, <laughs> we Matthew pr- Tangent, he could probably get me to watch something. But it, as long as it's <laughs> right. not zo- Beavers. Yeah, that's well, not... Beavers was fun. <laughs> yeah, you can, I, I'm sticking myself out there. I like Zombievers. You can do that on your own. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's the beauty of this though but but if you do have recommendations or if you just want to say hey you know what glad you guys are getting back together great hearing you guys again we love all that stuff and uh so just uh you know go out there and toot the horn and and <laughs> toot something i don't know uh yeah i don't even know what i'm saying now I just I, that one just threw me there i don't know why i said toot, toot your horn go up there and toot your own horn because <laughs> i'm not your- gonna toot it for you <laughs> Right. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. <laughs> Folks, it's been fantastic. We're going to cut out of here. We will see you next time. See you later, people. <laughs> Astral Projection. The Spirit World. The Departed. In layman's terms, ghosts. Are they friendly? Indifferent? Deadly? Once I saw an elderly uncle appear across a river, beckoning me to follow him. Did I go? No. Well, that's all the time we have for this one. And until next time, remember, actions speak louder than catchphrases. Take care, everybody. Receive the following Classic Curves by Dittos, The Pants for Feel Good Company, a gift certificate from Maru Chan Ramen Noodles, Rice Aroni. All guests receive a copy of the El Ming Home Game. Thanks to the creative minds and special appearances of Mark Allison, Jeremy Finch, and Jacob Kennedy. Hell Bing is a proud member of Legion Podcasts. Check out all the great shows at legionpodcast.com. Hell Bing is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Legion Podcast. This is Dan Pardo saying good night.
We are going to empty your memories. 